0: Almost late to class. Holy shit. Who's, really? who, who's here? How
1: late to class?
0: You see that? Oh, I kind of was. I think my left foot was how in the did door. I beat you? <laughs> my left foot was in the door when she said attention, students, classes, and sessions. I think I was good. How's everybody doing today?
2: Right, I'm doing man. well. I am. Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm still trying to figure out how I beat you to class, but I'm doing well.
0: Yeah, I'm, I don't know either. I thought I was on time, but. Y'all beat me here today, um, but yeah. most importantly, my perfect attendance record is done. It was fucked. It's gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Out of here. Satanic peace cross out came out. It was a little uh, pop-up episode that Father Alan Veronica did with Kean, and I wasn't on it. Holy yeah. Mary, mother of fuck, was that weird? That is strange, man. I liked it. That's one word. Yeah, yeah. I did like it. I liked editing it and not hearing my voice. It was kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> but welcome to class everybody it is time for satanic study hall yet again my name is bill i am a satanist and today i am joined by these i guess you know i'll i'll, I'll say gentlemen
2: you're really adding me into the
0: the gentleman category, yes gentlemen gentlemen really? you're, wow. a, gen- you're okay. a gentleman today I'm- all
1: right <laughs> so yeah a good uh, and it's you know, it's me, it's Sean, happy cat, whoever the fuck I am. I'm, I'm a goddamn heathen who likes long walks on the beach.
2: I was just over here, your friendly neighborhood seat. I kind of want to go on one of these walks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I bet you say that. To Ooh, all the dear, girls. I'm joining you, and, that's and anyway. it's, it's a
0: perfect time of year to go on those walks, too. The beaches are clearing ah, out, like but they're still open. Cold. You know what? No, put on a fucking satanic or satanic temple sober faction hoodie and stroll on down the fucking beach or you know put or on a happy those, cat hoodie. I want no I was going to really say bad. put
1: on one of those varsity hoodies or a,
0: or a, a varsity way. hoodie yeah there's, yeah there's a lot of wink hoodies. winch
1: you know wink wink nudge nudge coming soon I don't
2: know man I do want to get one of those those sober fashion hoodies. I mean, it's, it's just so minimalistic but yet
1: yeah. for lack of a better Especially word because, I was going to say
2: clean yeah right clean oh god fuck you I'm so- <laughs> um, and speaking of being clean uh, it's now less than two weeks before I hit a year sober fuck yeah dude so,
0: congratulations
2: yay. thank you,
0: fuck thank yes.
1: you. <laughs> yeah I know a little bit about Bill no, if, but, you you know, say, if you like say who the, the fuck is Bill
2: yeah, oh do you <laughs> not that Bill i know who the fuck bill is i know who the fuck bill, I know. bill well. just turned around and um, looked at me i have no idea yeah, what's going on right did. now
1: it's like a secret bill, thing man bill w mm.
2: yeah never mind um anyway big book bill where the fuck was i going oh yeah so uh <laughs> it, get you off guard. Bro, oh my god fuck you jesus christ anyway <laughs> fuck I decide to bring on Jody and John Eldridge the two co-founders of the TST sober faction.
0: One of the best interviews we've done here on Study Hall and once uh, we're almost there but I'm pretty much, I'm really excited. And this won't be the only episode on this topic. Um, Dennis will tell you too here in a second that we are, you know, they're going to be at least another episode, maybe even two. Um, what do we have in store Dennis?
2: Yeah, actually, we're going to be having a lot of fun on the second one as well. Uh, we have Pete, a.k.a. Gorgon Ramshead, our satanic chef at home necronomics, coming on to tell his story as well, um, as maybe another secret guest as yet. Um, and then uh, I'm thinking part three, we're going to do a panel with all of our guests from part one and two to do a Q&A. Um, so I will be farming questions for the next two or three weeks to get ready for that if anybody has anything they would like to ask please come to either our Goat Farm on the Facebook or the Goat Farm on Discord um, I will have a thread for both set up and please uh, drop comments, questions things of the sort, let's hear a little bit about your sobriety and your recovery with Satanism.
0: Uh, absolutely uh, and just like we um, mentioned on every episode if you uh, have any questions or ideas about this topic or any topic, you can hit us up at satanicstudyhall at gmail.com. You can check out everything that we've got up on our website. That's at satanicstudyhall.com. And we're all over social media. Just search our name. You will find us. Um, particularly, I have a lot of fun on Twitter. We are at uh, at Satanic SH. And we also have a Patreon. Uh you can if you are so inclined to consider supporting Satanic Study Hall. You can do so at Patreon.com/slash/SatanicStudyHall. We have three different tiers available: three thirty-three a month, six sixty-six a month, and twenty dollars, which, as I always say, is our super fucking Satanic VIP level. Um, check us out, um, and we appreciate all of our fucking lovely patrons. And I'm fucking excited. I am excited. I am excited. I am excited. We are two months away from the unconvention. It's going to be so fucking good. Less Less than two months away as we record this. Uh, the Unconvention is, <laughs> I don't know, I remember looking at this months and months ago, thinking it was so far away. Um, <laughs> but it's right around the corner. Um Surprise. So somebody asked me what the Unconvention is.
1: Oh, what's the unconvention?
0: Why, Sean, thank you for asking. <laughs> the unconvention is the convention for the unconventional. Um, it's also defined as a convention for all creatures of the dark. So you can participate in the unconvention from Friday, November 12th through Sunday, November 14th at the APA Hotel Woodbridge in Iceland, New Jersey. And it's also considered Woodridge, New Jersey. Yeah. Um, and you can check out everything that the Young Convention's got going on at www. dot NJ for new dot And as I said on the episode, or did I say it on the episode? I don't know. Um, you've heard us. You've heard us say that we're not big fans of fucking new jersey <laughs> nope. um in fact
2: I was, I was literally about to ask you how far into the state do i have to go
0: yeah it's um, it's it's very really near it's halfway between up. here and new york really no, no 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 no.
1: it's literally about 15 20 minutes from new york oh really yeah dude okay. it's, it's oh, not even me. really dude it's not even really jersey trust me Mm, fuck Wait, it
2: i thought this was like right across the kilometer barrier. No. no this nope. is fucking deep it's like Sorry, two I'll and a half hours away greyhound my
0: ass there uh, so yeah so that's oh, the unconventional we we've we've said that you know not much good comes out of jersey and fuck the left-hand turns and all their fucking weird laws i can't pump, i can't pump I, I can't pump my own gas the list goes on <laughs> um
2: is this is this what the
0: episode is going to turn into i'm ready to just talk shit no it's okay we've done we've spent a lot of time talking here i'm gonna i'm gonna
1: shut you both right the fuck up because here here is the one good thing that comes out of jersey trust me because i've known chloe for a very long time and mike saga
0: and uh this is gonna be fucking fantastic yeah and i'm not sure episode release wise what's going to come out first both those episodes are going to be coming out relatively soon right time sensitive material um but the unconvention has a shit ton of bands um from the jenna tortures to a pretty hate machine which is a nine uh nine inch nails tribute band uh likeness uh morris black danny blue worms of the earth abby death uh Pellagra, interface methodical Trist. Um, one band I'm excited to see is Gender Clown. Uh, oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Gender Clown. I don't know clown what it is about Gender Clown, but gets I'm me in. excited. But, uh, I'm
1: excited about a lot of those bands, to be honest with
0: you. And there's also all sorts of burlesque and special performances, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one of which is from the woman herself, um, mm-hmm. Chloe Decay, mm-hmm. who we had an awesome time with um, chatting about the Young Convention on our promo episode. Um, other performers, Stella Nova, Frankie Boom Boom, uh, Nasty and
1: Nice, uh,
0: Velvetica Neve, and Bella LeBlanc. And it very well could be. It'd be great porn name. Hey, whatever. Um, And then DJs, uh, DJ number one on the website is Philly's own DJ superhero. Mighty,
1: Mighty, Mighty Mike Saga.
0: The Mighty Mike Saga. Yeah. Might, uh, <laughs> Might, uh, Mighty Mike Saga accompanied Chloe over here to study hall as we chatted as well. That episode was fucking ridiculous. That was fucking awesome. Um, my face hurt at the end of the night. Oh,
1: Dude, the tic-tac-toe shit was amazing. If you didn't see that video, like, go go find it somewhere because yeah. it's fucking
0: hilarious. <laughs> and then uh, Damien Plague, DJ Angel, Angel Metro, um, DJ Cannibal Evil uh chris uh chris smack yeah Yeah, chris smack is gonna be um doing their thing Uh Uh, a bunch of other djs and then of course any as any convention there's panels um and vendors vendors all over the place so bring cash <laughs> yes, seriously but if you if you don't bring cast comes even if you can make it like come say hi to satanic study hall
1: absolutely uh, follow the pink bat signal
0: yes we're gonna we're gonna have our own booth for the weekend um a lot of us are gonna be staying in the area for the weekend and not to mention we're gonna have a panel okay. we are gonna have a panel where we record a live episode with some interaction with the audience mm-hmm. i'm really excited about that Tensils and books. Never made wooden head,
3: wooden head Hail Satan.
0: Dennis has crafted a beautiful story over the next couple episodes uh, in the series uh, and puts together something special with some people that are making a real big impact in the scene with people every day and a lot of people. So, and what we're talking about specifically is the sober faction, which is now the satanic temple sober faction, but it didn't start out that way, but it became something very, very effective and very, very big, very quickly. And as Dennis mentioned before, we have uh, Joe D and John Eldridge on our show. And we have the awesome opportunity to sit down with them and talk about their stories and how, the sober faction came to be where it's headed uh, its purpose um i mean a lot of things a co- lot of things are covered when it comes to the sober faction uh whether it's their seven rituals um we cover all their goals and initiatives and it just it's, it was a great conversation and you've heard a lot of references and conversations on satanic study all if you've been listening to the podcast about addiction and recovery whether it's, you know, here at Study Hall or people that we know or people that are important to the people that are involved in Satanic Study Hall, our family members, our friends. You may know people that are struggling with addiction and not even know it. All right, heathens. See, I called you heathens this time, not yeah, gentlemen. I don't like that. Um, uh-huh. Y'all ready to get started? We lost
2: it. What did we do to lose our title that fast?
1: Oh uh, yeah! You spoke. <laughs> <laughs> oh
2: fuck you! Oh. Yeah, let's get this going. Yeah, I
0: think we should get this going. Um, fuck yeah, man! All right, everybody, it is time <laughs> for us to wrap up this end of things and get right down to business. Up next is our awesome sit-down conversation with Minister Joe D and Reverend John Eldridge of Satanic Temple's Sober Faction. We hope you enjoy it. <laughs>
4: you are You're
0: the antichrist what yeah that's what you are you are the motherfucking antichrist wow all right welcome back to study hall everybody and what perfect timing because it looks like our special guests are just arriving and uh walking through the study hall door hey yeah um so we have a couple new people in class
4: i am Jody. I am the media chair for TST NYC, and the co-director of the Satanic Temple Sober Faction. Awesome.
2: Welcome to class. And we also have John Eldridge. Hi,
3: I'm John Eldridge. I am the congregation leader for TST Atlanta. And I am also the other co-director for TST
2: Sober Faction. Welcome to class, guys. Um, Absolutely. Good to have you you know i've been uh I've been, I've been' a part of sober faction for about eleven months now ten months now and I love what you guys are doing over there um I can't wait to to talk about it some more but um in the meantime let's uh let's kind of talk about uh, about you guys um what brought you to you know starting the sober faction what brought you to us on this episode
4: I'm nodding over here as if everyone can see me nodding <laughs> <laughs> So, I will caption and describe everything I'm doing. I'm nodding right now. <laughs> 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 everything Dennis is saying. Um, I think um, if that's okay with everyone, I'll just start off with my personal story um, of recovery and how I came into a It's going to be lengthy. So, stick with me, folks. It's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> So, like I said, I'm I'm Jody. I, I became a member of TSTNYC, I think, almost three years ago now, um, and I'm the media chair there and an ordained minister of Satan through the TST ordination program and co-director of TST Sober Faction. Um, we're gonna go way back to my childhood, um, and I think I could basically sum it up in one word, and that word would be volatile. My My dad was a terrible human being. Um, We'll leave it at that. And my mom felt like she couldn't manage everything on her own. So was basically scared to leave him and, and run the house and take care of everyone herself. So my childhood was very loud. A lot of screaming, fighting, a lot of police presence. And my mom trying to control, I think, what she could, which was basically me, because I differed so much from my siblings. I didn't get straight A's like they all did. I didn't like Barbie dolls or to wear dresses like my sisters. So my mom took a lot of her aggravation out on me by coming down on me hard about these differences. But on the flip side, I also had a lot of freedom and a lot of fun, (laughs) (laughs) fun childhood. We had a lot of cousins around our ages, so never really needed a lot of other friends. Because we had our group, the cousin crew, we called it. We started smoking pot and drinking pretty, pretty young. I would say for me, probably like 12, 13, around there. During my high school years, there was very limited parental supervision. My mom and dad were not around a lot. So we were left alone a lot, which was a freaking blast when you're a teenager. (laughs) There was a lot of partying, a lot of experimenting, Um, even though... I started to basically drink and smoke pot every day. I managed to graduate high school, which I think was surprising to a lot of folks. (laughs) And I met who would become my husband when I was in college. And we basically bonded over drinking excessively. I started to lose an an incredible amount of weight. I had all sorts of stomach issues. I couldn't keep food in but I could still drink. So in my eyes back then, that was a win. I even stopped getting my period for around three months because of all the weight I was losing. One of my cousins was really concerned about me and took me to the doctor. And when you have cousins that do more drugs than I do, and they're concerned about me, (laughs) um, that's a problem. So um, it, it turned out I, I really messed up the lining of my stomach from the amount I was drinking. And the doctor told me I'd had to stop or or I'd basically die. I was killing myself and I was extremely malnourished because I wasn't absorbing any nutrients from what I was eating. So I was given prescription vitamins and I had to drink those drinks um, that old people have to drink. Like Boost was the one I was drinking to gain weight and get nutrients and in me. And I was 20 at the time, Mm. but I did manage to quit drinking for a number of years. And my husband ended up quit quitting drinking with me. And he never started again because I guess he wasn't an alcoholic. (laughs) It was never an issue. Um, I, on the other hand, well, um, but something running parallel to all this in my life um, that was going on with me was just issues and stress and a lot of concern and anxiety in me about my gender and my sexuality. These aspects of my being were always just under the surface and to some extent driving why I used these substances most of the time. I was always uncomfortable with who I was and scared of how my family, especially my mom, would react was scared how peers would react. Back then, there weren't terms that we have now, like gender fluid or the use of other pronouns, like they and them. In my head, I just thought I was bi. Um, that was the only thing I knew that came close to what I was feeling. And that was still, I think, too much for my family to handle, at least the the older folks in, in my family, um, or, or so I thought. My brother, cousins, friends, they all... They all were under the assumption I was bi and were cool with it. We were all around the same age. And, you know, I was hooking up with boys and girls all the time, usually while drunk. Uh, It just made it easier for me to be drinking and experimenting in this way and having people think it's okay because everyone's drinking and experimenting and doing all that stuff. It helped also with social anxiety that I had on top of all of this. I always felt awkward or weird I never felt like I related or could really connect with anyone and again, drinking help with all of this, it allowed me to relax and put on this act that I thought was acceptable by everyone. I got married when I was 22 because it, it seemed like an escape. It seemed like I should be doing this. It was, that's the direction it was headed. And even though all this was going on, you know, it, my husband loved me and I loved him, but we were super young and still figuring ourselves out. Um, we were, we weren't open and honest with each other. We never kind of grew out of those early drinking days, you know?
2: Yeah. No, I, I know exactly what you're talking about.
4: Yeah. I think when folks get together so young, that's common. You don't, you still don't know who you are. It didn't, it almost didn't feel real. You know, um, it was like going through the motions again. We were, like I said, we were still evolving ourselves, figuring ourselves out, out growing up. Um, the throughout our marriage, I went through cycles of heavy drinking to quitting and back again, getting super sick and him having to clean up a whole lot of vomit um, throughout those years. And I'd you know, be with women behind his back, usually at bars, getting drunk, hooking up, lying, um, and just coming home overwhelmed with guilt and shame over and over again. We managed to stay married for like 16 years. There was a lot of hurt during that time, but there was also a lot of love. We did respect each other. And I know deep down, I know I wasn't in love with him, but I definitely loved him and am happy he's been in my life. I eventually opened up about everything to him because I just couldn't take it anymore. It just felt bad. It made me feel terrible. Like this life was just a lie. And it was hurting both of us. And it's one of the most difficult things I've ever
0: had to do. Was there any liberation from it, though, for you? Like, was like, did you feel that weight from your shoulders, like immediately leave?
4: Oh, my goodness. Um, Absolutely. It being open and honest and communicative. I can't stress how important it is. And that word is perfect. It's liberating. Um, Not having to carry that around. It definitely hurts. And of course, whatever the situation is, you never know how the other person's going to react. But I feel honesty is the best policy. I think I heard that somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) And it it was painful for both of us and we worked through it. Um, We're actually separated now, but we're still close friends. We still talk every day and we just ultimately want each other to be happy and have a happy, healthy life. So it was one of the best things um, I ever did. You know, it sucks that it took so long to come to all these realizations. And I think that has a lot to do with society and how I thought I had to live, what I was conditioned to believe. And I'm just happy that I had people in my life to encourage me and support me, you know, um, in these decisions and coming to terms with myself. And that I had such an understanding person in my life who was able to get it, even though it was painful, was, was understanding and just wants the best for both for me and for it's the right thing for both of us. So that's all going on. Actually, a few years ago to bring it back to recovery, I got a a DWI, which brought all these issues into the forefront again. And at this point, I'm, I'm like, I'm in my 30s. H- how is this happening still? Something had to give. I knew I needed to change. I discovered TST around this time and joined my local congregation. The support and acceptance there was something I've never experienced before.
2: Now, is this your first like real introduction to Satanism? Or were you like slowly I, introduced and then you found TST?
4: Even in my childhood and teenage years, I knew something was wrong with the religion. I was born into Catholicism. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, um, you know, super religious. Like we celebrated the holidays. I went to Catholic school just because my mom didn't want us going to public school. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that was Catholic school. Oh, <laughs> um,
4: It wasn't, it wasn't terrible. It was a small school. And, and when, I also went to Catholic high school just because the high school I went to had a good reputation. Other than that, like, you know, we didn't really go to church or anything, but I still wanted something. Like I was looking for something to fill that spiritual part of my life. And learning more and reading more about Christianity and other mainstream religions, I'm like, this is fucking terrible. Um, What hit me most was the patriarchy and kind of misogyny and sexism, like innate in those mainstream theistic religions. So I looked for more feminist paths and studied a little bit of Wicca and paganism, just trying to find something, you know, and came across TST through news articles about you Know their lawsuits and reproductive rights campaigns and stuff like that. And I'm like, this seems cool. <laughs> um, this seems up my alley, right? Uh, yeah, so read a little bit more about them and found TST NYC online, yeah. And then you know, saw the documentaries, started reading books, and that was that. Um, <laughs> and I'm here fan- we are, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a place where I felt completely comfortable being me and even encouraged. To be my authentic self, which was rare. Like I never came across that, or I was always too scared to even consider being my authentic self. But this was a space where I was encouraged to do so. And it's something I really was looking for, and it filled that. Um, I really connected with people, and they upheld my own beliefs and my moral ethics and stuff like that. Of course, most people that you speak to, when They talk about reading The Seven Tenets for the first time, and they're like, this is shit I always believed and felt. I just didn't have the words for it or couldn't find the space that existed that encompassed it. And I really do believe in the power of religion to bring people together for the greater good, creating positive spaces and bettering communities. Of course, like I said, religion is also dangerous when it's used to control and to silence, but What I think religion really means is exactly what TST stands for. Um, Nothing's perfect, but the the people and communities I found through TST have changed my life for the better. And I stand by that. And it's through Satanism and TST that I was finally able to confront my substance use and start my true recovery. When the pandemic started and I began working from home and was isolated and kind of alone, like many of us were, um, I got scared. I I knew I was going to be vulnerable to my addictions, being home alone all day, being stressed and anxious and cut off from folks. Um, I knew AA and other uh, recovery programs didn't align with my beliefs, and I didn't feel comfortable or even welcome in those spaces. But I knew I needed help, so I began searching online for other Satanists in recovery, and I came across something called Without a Prayer. Um, organized by this person, goes by the name of John Eldritch. <laughs>
0: um, I think I've heard of that guy. Yeah, well, he's, he's around. A total jerk. <laughs> <laughs> um,
4: but this chance meeting was the spark that not only ignited my own recovery, but the one that brought us all the Satanic Temple, Sober Faction. Satanism and Sober Faction have revolutionized recovery for me grounded in science and community and self-empowerment the foundation of a truly positive and rational recovery program removing the shame and guilt and replacing it with self-confidence and pride and removing hierarchy and replacing it with allyship we'll talk about the growth and how that all came to be um, i think a little later but this meeting and finding without a prayer and john um just really brought together everything that I I needed personally at the time. Just promoting that, you know, self-care and encouraging me to ask for help when I needed, which is something I never did. I never thought I could do. I never thought there would be anyone who I'd want to reach out to when I needed help or felt comfortable doing so. Just the, the seven tenets themselves had started to help guide me, not only in my daily life, but... In my recovery as well. And Satanism motivated me to take control of my life and live authentically and healthy and happy. It's led me to meet some of the most amazing, intelligent, kind, and just all around badass people I've ever met who also support my recovery and only want what's best for me. I've even met, you know, the the love of my life through TST and Sober Faction. And if it weren't for these spaces encouraging me and wanting me to be happy and be myself i that would have never happened and i don't know where i'd be you know yeah
2: Like that's so awesome like you met the love of your life through it like i don't know <laughs> it's shit like that i love i love hearing that shit
4: <laughs> <laughs> um, i love living it oh <laughs> sure oh <I'm> sure <laughs> um but that's a lot about me and Um, I don't want to monopolize the conversation, but just kind of give context to how this all related to to myself and my recovery and share that story and hope it, you know, hope it sparks something in some of the listeners.
2: I definitely think it will. I definitely think it will. Um, You know, you have a great story there. Um, I could definitely pull some stuff from it that I could relate to. Um, And I'm sure that that some of the listeners out there uh, definitely could as well. and, and, And it'll definitely help them. At least we hope but thank you so much for sharing that. Like, that was, that was amazing. Um, what a struggle you've been through, but to come through on the other side and, and find Satanism uh, within it and, and being able to use it in your recovery and then turn around and be able to help the fellow recovering addict find recovery without that superstition. Um, yeah. it, it's huge. It's huge. And I, I can't thank you enough for that.
0: Yeah, it was fantastic, and I, and one thing that you know, it's just this reoccurring theme, as we do episodes like this, is this really we're all on a journey, and you said it a couple of different times to, you know, to find and become our most authentic self, and and that journey, that path is no one ever said it was going to be easy, but it, keeping that in mind and all we do, um, and with the time that we invest with the people, you know, that we care and love about that's, that's really, that's, that's in itself is a guidance system for me is just keeping, you know, doing whatever I can and aligning all the decisions that I make in accordance with, you know, being the best fucking person I can be.
4: Mm -hmm. I I just want to say again, for all those listening, I'm nodding. I'm nodding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) For sure. And I like how, um, you know, at the at the end of your story there, it kind of it kind of ended on you meeting uh, John. And so I guess with, with that being said, John, if you're ready to uh, to dive in a little bit and tell us a little bit about yourself, um, a little bit about your uh, your journey through through all of this Satanism and uh, get to know you a little bit.
3: Yeah, I think I'll be able to talk about that jerk John Eldritch a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, there's a lot of similarities between uh, Jody's story and mine. And something you notice a lot um, in recovery meetings and people sharing their stories: there's always something that you connect to and something you needed to hear, right? You know, but there's also everyone has their own unique journey, and to see that also helps inspire r- recognizing there's so many different variations. So yeah, for me, I definitely have a history in my family of substance use. When I was first getting, like, first seeking medical help, you know, skipping forward a little bit, when I was first seeking medical help, you know, they asked me, well, do you have, you know, a genetic pool or history of substance use in your family? And my response was, I have a genetic swamp of substance abuse in my family. Both my parents, um, extreme alcoholics, Um, my mother's side, who, the only side of family I really know well, seven brothers, every single one of them um, struggled with addiction of one way or another. And all of their, all of my cousins as well, of all their children also struggled with substance use and stuff. So I know there's a lot of um, speculation on the disease model and stuff like that. But um, for me, in my experience, I believe there's something there when it comes to genetic predisposition or at least, you know, being raised in it. So there's a lot of ways I can go. So yeah, i definitely grew up in a alcoholic household. Both of my parents would be like the, typical of what you would call functional alcoholics, so to speak. Um, It's a term you hear a lot. It wasn't a problem, you know, in their mind and in their worldview. uh, the, The use wasn't a problem because they both held really strong jobs and made it to work and all that jazz. And the bills were paid and they worked hard. Does not mean that home life was healthy or safe or good. You know, I have memories of being a very young child, like seven years old, six years old, and just being screamed at you know, by drunk parents and not understanding what's going on, being told I'm a disappointment and things like that, as far as I can remember, it's like, it's weird. Cause I didn't think of much of it then, but you know, cause I, looking back, I was like, seven year olds aren't supposed to be depressed. <laughs> right? Like a seven year old shouldn't sit around and go, I wish I didn't exist. Yeah, absolutely like, that, not. That's not normal. <laughs> <Absolutely> not. <laughs> and uh, you know, but you know, when you're in the moment, you just think that's just life or whatever and then about third grade i made a good friend um first first really close friend i had and he was a couple years older than me and started smoking cigarettes for the first time and just having that way to do wrong and get away with it and having just that slightest bit of dopamine kick from you know nicotine right um just just the slightest bit and it was just like a bulb went off in my head like a eureka moment of how good it made me feel to be doing something Wrong, meaning seven years old smoking cigarettes and getting away with it, and just the feeling of the the chemical relief from it. Um, And then, sort of like my my identity by fourth grade started evolving around being the bad kid, um, especially after I moved, and that helped me get attention and make some sort of friends because everyone liked the new kid, and especially if they're like a bad new kid, right? So that kind of helped encourage my behavior. Right. I have, you know, struggling with appreciating myself at home, but out in the public world, even at a young age, um, it was a way for me to find connection with others, um, which was something I desperately strived with. Um, I was I definitely quickly turned into a uh, hooligan delinquent, to say the least. Um, You know, one of the. You know, normally uh kids in elementary school probably shouldn't get their hands on things like an anarchist cookbook.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I'm right there with you. I had a copy way too young, I can tell you much.
2: <laughs> No, I didn't yeah. have one in,
0: in elementary school. I had a my, knife and a playboy. First project was a tennis ball bomb, just saying. Yeah, uh, we actually physical.
3: made a tennis ball bomb made out of napalm in the fifth grade, and it accidentally blew up, almost blew up a neighbor's house.
0: Yeah, You got some stories, too? That's, that's a whole nother episode. <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, which again,
3: uh, it's normally not normal for a fifth grader to be making bombs in their basement while drunk. Um, fifth and sixth grade is about around the times I started uh, smoking weed and drinking uh, similar to Jody about 12, 13 years old. It was um, the connection I found with people that I finally felt relief and I finally felt I could be at ease and find like, I I'd say be myself, but not in a true sense, right? Or I'd have enough of a liquid courage to just be and not feel like I'm you know, trying to claw my way out of my own skin. And a big turning point for that, you know, through middle school and early teenage years was um, my older brother, uh, who was about seven years older than me, started bringing me out to parties and stuff, which he's eight years older than me. So at 13, you, know, you do the math. And uh, so, when you know, when I'm 13, you do the math, you know, it's a little odd to be, that young going to parties but it was the first time i've been able to have a connection to my family um the first time i felt like i was appreciated and loved by my family um, and had a connection with my brother and so that you know further encouraged the the use and helped me identify who i was and this this is how i connect with others right this is how i feel okay with living the household became physically abusive um very, very physically abusive. And, you know, early teenage years, I was having to cover up bruises when I go to school because teachers were asking questions. I had no interest in football, but I joined football just to have reasons to have bruises all over my arms and shit like that. Um, Intentionally would fall down skateboarding. So I'd have reasons to cover up shit. Mm. And then, you know, high school, by that point I'm drinking or getting high about four to five times a week, um, you know, from freshman to senior year. Um, and that starts leading to health problems already getting in extreme accidents. Uh, fell on there was a you might have seen like those welded knights in armor that you see like at stores, like they're like mm-hmm. aluminum or metal. Yeah,
0: I know what you're talking about. I yeah, I fell
3: on one of those, sliced a big chunk like all the way across my wrist, oh, which almost killed oh. me yeah uh that was not fun no sure. regular stories and horror stories like that by the time i was 18 i was having to be put on blood pressure medication because i wasn't sleeping anymore really and i was just drinking almost on a daily basis but on the other side of that as i started becoming uh you know young adult adult 18 years old i started to bond with my father for the first time in my life um i started drinking with my dad and it was everything I always wanted in life. I finally, for the first time, ex- felt accepted and loved by my father. But it was only when we were both drunk together. Um, I started really getting that connection. I was in a happy relationship with like high school sweetheart and all that stuff. So um, besides being sick and drunk all the time, I felt that life was in going healthy despite all the uh, trauma. 20 years old uh, is when my father died randomly from a heart attack. And I I blamed myself for that death for a while because I was supposed to come over and help do yard work. He was getting older, not feeling well. And I didn't come over because I was hungover and I didn't come over for several days. So he said, do do it himself. And then he had a heart attack. And that was a big turning point, like where I went from partying all the time to just nonstop drunk. Um, My mother at that point was suicidal. um, So everyone was really focusing on, Making sure my mom's okay, um, including myself. I never had anyone to go to. I never had felt okay for being for being hurting because I had to worry about other people. And you know, that's going into college, right? So I've already got like a quote professional drinking life before even stepping my foot into college. So it was a uh, further enforced by that lifestyle. Then come I turned 21, 21 years old next birthday, waking up in the hospital, uh covered from waking up in the hospital from alcohol poisoning and falling through a glass coffee table. Um, And, but again, I did not think I had any problem with alcohol at all. I had no belief that there was something wrong with my drinking. Um, My parents drank all the fucking day. All my closest friends drink all the time. All my family members do it and their lives seem to be put together. Right. Mm -hmm. So there was no, it's just no, my life sucks and it's hard and I have struggles with emotions, whatever. And then I stopped getting sick when drinking. That was kind of like, you know, my, my, I would drink all night until I get sick and then I'd be done. Um, that stopped happening. So it kind of allowed me to never stop at this point. Alcohol and drugs were completely like alcohol is my drug of choice, but I fucked around with a lot of other stuff. Like those were just like sprinkles on the cupcake and, you know, I got extremely sick, um, started my skin searching yellow, mm-hmm. um, got to a point where I just physically could not stop drinking. And I was still in denial of it. You know, like I was either drunk, hung over or sleeping. Um, and I'd wake up sick and didn't think I could do anything, but you know, I magically got better by the end of the day. Once I started drinking some more, the the whole cycle just was completely self-fulfilling of a spiral that was just completely encouraging itself to cover what was really wrong. Um, come May 5th, 2010, um, or May 4th, 2010. Sorry, I felt like I couldn't handle it anymore and tried to commit suicide. And it was very, very nearly close. And I was just done. The reason it was a light on for me wasn't because I was committed suicide. Um, it was because I almost took people out with me and I didn't realize it. I did the whole, you know, stare the, the whole um, car with the exhaust in the garage, that whole thing. But I didn't know that my baby niece was also in the house that so that could have taken her out. And while I didn't give a shit about me at that point, I did care about other people. Right, and that was the starting the starting point I needed. Then, you know, I finally recognized, no, I need help. Um, I can't physically do this anymore, and I go to rehab. Um, Even when I'm in rehab, it's about like for the first three days, I'm still in rehab, arguing with doctors that I don't have a problem with addiction. (laughs) Um, Like, just relentless, just (laughs) arguing and like being the stereotypical angsty punk kid, just arguing, screaming at the clouds. Um, But it wasn't until the third day where we're kind of, like, sharing, like, a short version of our story, kind of like we are now. And it wasn't until the end of the story uh, where I go, and that's how I know I'm an alcoholic. And I go, fuck.
4: (laughs) I didn't mean to say
3: it. And, you know, it started helping me. It really started turning my life around. But what was hard is AA was my only option. Um, I was always been extremely atheist um a lot to do with you know being raised very southern baptist and um physical abuse from being raised southern baptist and not agreeing with that and um was always avid avidly atheist but i saw people around me getting better right and this was presented as my only option and i was fucking terrified i did not want to go back to that and it finally started you know i saw work for others so you know being pushed the whole fake until you make it right you know i kind of say the 12-step process helped for me at the beginning until it didn't you know it started helping me get away from some things recognizing some issues i had but it was also really fucking me up with a lot of issues of shame and guilt um i had a very christian therapist at the time and a very stringent uh old school aa sponsor that was kind of like Dictating everything I do in my life. And again, I was just so fucking terrified. And I I was managing to not drink, right? So who am I to argue with that their processes were wrong? Tried to like just loosely convince myself that I was like agnostic, right? Like the whole like, well, I can't prove that there isn't something. So I'm just going to pray just because I'm told to. And after a few years, I started developing more issues from even that. You know, everyone in the meetings were talking about this spiritual awakenings that they were having, connections to their higher power, being speaking to their higher power on a daily basis. And I didn't have that. Right. And I kept figuring out what the hell's wrong with me. Right. Why, why can't I have this? And I tried talking to some people in recovery. They're like, well, you better find it or you're going to die. Right. You better find your connection or you're going to relapse and you're going to die. And that, you know freaked me out, <laughs> say the least you know I'm a couple years sober at this point. Um, and I made a friend named uh, Jay and he was couple, he was about a year or two sober and he was openly atheist and that truly inspired me. and he would you know try to talk about ways how he can make the steps work for him in a non-theistic sense and would be sure to like talk to people after meetings, you know like hey, you know you don't have to believe in all this and so forth. and I really appreciated that. Jay, unfortunately, relapsed and overdosed and died. And I was really, really pushed back by that. And I was feeling extremely depressed and I was, felt like I was spiraling. And I go back to an, the AA meeting that we both attended and I was seeking help. And the responses I were hearing that meeting the next day was Jay would still be here with us today if he would, wouldn't have been so stu- stubborn and found God. I just say, fuck that. Like I was just so livid. Like my friend just died and he was helpful to people. He was working a program and the response of his death is people were like, well, sucks for him. If he would have found Jesus, he'd be here today. And I couldn't fucking take it anymore. Um, I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm over three years sober. I've managed to stay sober and I can finally embrace who I am. And I'm just walked away from AA for, for a very, very, very long time for several years in that time. I actually discovered uh, the Satanic Temple, and I was extremely inspired by their ability to take what they believe and really stand and make a difference. To take the, you know, I was I was never really like into paganism or um, religion for any of that matter, which is never part of my wheelhouse. Until I discovered Satanism and started reading and studying and learning all about it, and really found a true place that I felt like I belonged and really found a place where I can encourage myself to love who I am and to continue to strive towards self improvement, which was very much worked with my ideals of recovery. And I, um, was struggling back in end of 2019, uh, emotionally, you know, life got hard and I was like, well, you know, I want to have a recovery lifestyle again and have a community, but get rid of all the God bullshit. And I started a, and you know, TSC inspired me to do something about it. Um, So I started a local community here in Atlanta called Without a Prayer, which is essentially a.
4: Hey, I know that.
0: Yeah.
4: (laughs) Yeah.
3: Um, So I started Without a Prayer here locally in Atlanta and just a small meeting. um, It was just. 12 steps first for for, um, for atheists right and we just try to restructure it reword the 12 steps not having that stuff and try to focus on the practicality of things and the backlash we got was insane um, people from all over the recovery community were absolutely trying to have the meeting shut down Saying that there's no way this should exist, this shouldn't be allowed, which just blew my fucking mind. I'm like, it's literally, it's still, it's even, it's even still twelve steps, right? We just mildly changed the language. Yeah, that's and the fact that we, fact that we were just not using the word God, they'd rather that place not exist, despite the fact that it was helping people.
0: Mm -hmm. That's disgusting. Yeah, it is.
3: And uh, it was just like locally, people were trying to get the meeting shut down online. People were just like raging about it, posting, uh, posting articles about it and just like how it's problematic and it's going to steer people away from true recovery. And um, it was insanity. Then um, the pandemic hit. So without a prayer, you know, shifted to being online on uh, Discord server. And at that moment, it grew really fast because there was almost no options online right at the beginning of the pandemic for like a secular type recovery program and uh that's where i met the amazing uh priest jody and
4: uh hey i know that person (laughs) (laughs) they're pretty great and jody and i were working
3: on without a prayer together online you know and it was great and it was helping people and there's a lot of good being done but even still we found a lot of troubles With the 12 step process, even when we're moving the changing language around, um, it was still so deeply entrenched with Christian values of shame and guilt and recovery. And while that's not what I practiced, it took so much mental gymnastics and so much teaching to try to guide somebody through that. And mental gymnastics are fucking exhausting. And early recovery is fucking hard. Mm -hmm. It is really fucking hard. (laughs) and so we wanted we were just in agreement that there was just so much bullshit in it over time uh the without a prayer was you know um more secular meetings starting to open up online which was fantastic and uh, a lot of people started finding their own meetings and <laughs> majority of what was left without a prayer is all people who are satanists <laughs> and yeah. uh and so we kind of like scrapped it and started over from scratch and then jody and i started building sober faction together and that's kind of long
0: short of my story
2: awesome thank you very much and what a segue into the sober faction right there at the end um
0: yeah i was um it's it really is perfect because uh i i remember you know when i started joining um random social media groups back when the pandemic first hit um, you know, not realizing, you know, trying to figure out who was who, uh, that was right around the time that I joined the satanic temple. I think it was like January or February. Um, but then I did sober faction kept, did come up a lot in, uh, in, in, It was, not only was it, it was not like it was promoted, but it was promoted by those who were, were utilizing it and, and who were, who were part of it. Um, and then it just, it seemed, it seemed to gain a a decent amount of traction right off the bat. And I'm, and I'm sure that, I mean, I'm not sure. I would hope that some of the other members of the previous group, um, would have come along right with you. How did that journey begin and did it grow? you know, faster than you you thought it would. And, um, how did it progress?
3: uh, I'll start by saying, um, yeah, majority of the people who are like very active without a prayer came along. Uh, We have members of Sober Faction are very active in the community now that started with, without a prayer. Um, and Sober Faction definitely, definitely grew much faster than we ever anticipated. Um, which was terrifying and amazing at the same time.
4: (laughs) Oh, okay, so this works. <laughs> we'll just keep going with it. Um, but it it the support that we have had f- from the people who we met through without a prayer and who stuck with us into sober faction is amazing. And it's just a testament of the power that community has and just like that genuine supportive, community and space, that we're all here together, we're going through this together. Um, and that just spreads, you know, and like you had mentioned, hearing it, not seeing it promoted, but just hearing it from the people in it proves that, I think to me, that if if people are there for a genuine purpose, um, without any of the bullshit, um, trying to make you believe something that you truly don't that are accepting of you and your beliefs and just want you to be healthy and get better and, you know, have a good life, then it works. There's definitely something to it. And it's funny Jonathan, um, mentions the, uh, when we're without a prayer and still technically working the steps and having to do those mental gymnastics. And I, I remember for me, it was like the first time, I was attempting to actually do the 12 steps and hitting step three and how it's worded and how it's uh, formatted that you have to go back and beg forgiveness for everything you've ever done wrong from anyone you've ever hurt admitting your powerlessness and admitting that you were shitty and all the like, I never did it. I was that's where I stopped. I totally ghosted my sponsor. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> nope, um, we're we're done here. And that's really when you know I think we started talking about switching it up, changing it, and just making our own thing. Like if what's available doesn't work, fucking build it yourself. You know.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think you know a lot of people, you know like a lot of people who i have home friends with you know um who aren't in recovery and stuff like that or even my wife had no idea how extremely religious the 12-step program is mm-hmm. like how extremely christian because it's just you know it's a word that society knows like oh you're you're struggling with alcoholism oh you just go to AA, right that's just the the thing to do right um you know you when you go to a doctor or go to a rehab they tell you to go to AA, right so it's so entrenched in society if that's the answer and for many people depending on where you are geographically it's the only answer you have available and when we started you know trying to do without a prayer and like like jody said we were having conversations when they were having to do the um the way they word it which i fucking hate is the moral inventory right of of step three and four like jody said you're just completely essentially you're running like a shameless You know, before, like, even before you, like, you start in the moral inventory, like, you have step one, we admitted that you're powerless, that, like, how do you do that as a Satanist, right? Um, Why, you know, something I say a lot with, you know, you can find a lot of issues in 12 steps with just the first two words, we admitted. When substance use disorder is a medically recognized issue, why would I have to admit to it? Mm-hmm. Right. Why, who has to admit to having like admit, admitting something is for me, you know, makes me think wrongdoing. Right. I've done something wrong. Right. And that's just the shame and guilt just spirals from there and so forth. And it really just goes against everything we've our, of our core beliefs as Satanists. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was just borderline impossible to try to get these mental gymnastics and try to make this a process that was empowering to you instead of making you beat yourself down and um and that's where jody and i started to start all, start from scratch say fuck it right like this this can't be the way that you know sure you know we know AA helps a lot of people right we we know that and a lot of people majority a lot of people also have very theistic views and that works very well for them or christian backgrounds but when you don't have that it becomes extremely damaging and extremely harmful um, to literally have to deal with the undue burden of religious dogma and superstition as your only means of seeking help from a medical issue. Right.
4: Right. And just to kind of like the main, I think, the main differences between Sober Faction and other mainstream peer recovery groups like AA is its basis in non theistic Satanism, of course, and the seven tenants, but also recognizing that everyone's recovery journey is different and acceptable. It's not forcing you to believe anything because your recovery depends on that specific belief. It's encouraging you to find what works for you and just providing a safe space to recover. That's what it's about. And researching and looking and knowing the science behind what you're going through, which I feel is very lacking in mainstream recovery groups like peer support groups. There's never, from what I have heard and from what I've experienced, there's never an actual discussion about what addiction is and what your body and mind are going through. So we encourage you to find out. Um, We read articles, scientific articles, medical articles, and that describe what your body's going through when you go through withdrawal, when you're in active addiction, when you're in recovery. So you know what to expect and how to how to actively take action in your own recovery.
3: You know, we even read articles we disagree with to have the discussion, which is something you never hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, but it's a good thing though. Like you know, to get to get both sides of it and 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 kind of like you say, discuss and 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 have that that chat and see see it from all angles and jody just to jump on what you were saying fuck withdrawal
4: yeah
2: it's (laughs) yes you Mm -hmm. know i remember my first time i was sitting there in a corner shaking i couldn't stop my body could not stop fucking shaking i had no clue what was going on like i'm waiting for the hallucinations to start i'm waiting to drop into the seizure like I didn't know yeah.
0: what to expect. I think another thing that's kind of important too, just along the lines of understanding the science behind it is not just understanding it, but learning it and using it to your advantage to combat it. Exactly. And and that right there, I think is just, just like you said, is something that you don't see or is almost unheard of in a lot of these treatment programs that are out there.
4: Yeah. These other programs like AA completely eliminates that part of what you're going through. And asks you to fully, and literally in the words, turn your life over to a supernatural being to remove your defects.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Step three: turn your life and will over to the care of God as you understand Him. Right. How the fuck do you do that as a Satanist?
2: <laughs> thank you, thank you. Because this is something I've actually brought up in the rooms. I've, I've, I've been going to AA. I was going to AA pretty often for the past about five years. I stopped going end of 2019 beginning of 2020 um and i, I kind of had the same thought process that you and D had uh, about step one and step three um the whole we admitted and then um the giving you're giving your will over well I, I, i'm pretty sure you need that willpower to be able to have the confidence to stay away from the fucking drug right. why give it away why give away all of the hard work that you've earned
3: exactly, exactly. that's something actually Um, one of my number one pet peeves in early recovery was, you know, when things were going well in my life, that was because I was living in accordance of God's will. Things were going poorly in my life. Oh, that's your fault. Mm -hmm. Right. And fuck that. Like I've worked my ass off to stay sober. Right. And It's a lot of fucking work. And yes, I needed help, but it was my choice to ask for help. That was my actions. Mm -hmm. It was my actions to accept the help and follow guidance right and try to change my life that was my work and i needed a community of people to help me get there but that doesn't mean it wasn't my choice and my actions driving that and to try to get rid of all responsibility of my own work to be proud of that is fucking preposterous
4: it's like you have to ask the person who made you or the person i'm using air quotes
2: yes (laughs) The um, movement again
4: <laughs> uh, to remove your character defects that they gave you. Right, right. It's,
2: it's <laughs> a fucking sick game, like
4: <laughs> right.
2: Um, we could go on
3: forever. How preposterous these sick views are.
2: I wanted to ask you: had had any of you read or gotten any inspiration from um, what is it called? Uh, Uncover Satan, recover thyself. The recovery book from i think it's the church of rational satanists it's basically a breakdown of the big book and put into a more you know rational way you know taking responsibility for yourself kind of breaking down what the 12 steps are and rewording it and things of that sort it's just kind of along the same lines as you i didn't know if you had picked up the book and read it or not so
3: I was familiar with that book and um, we wanted to take a different approach. We didn't want to try to make 12 step work for Satanists. We wanted to make a program built purely like not trying to reverse engineer something, but start something new Um, because we saw so much trouble with those constant mental gymnastics Mm -hmm. that we didn't want it to just be the just a rewording again because we already did that we had without a prayer right Right. and we had it just it wasn't built off satanism it was just completely secular talked about practical recovery um but we wanted to start something different and the with the foundation purely off the seven tenets um so we designed the uh seven ritual process
4: i i just want to before we actually read the rituals there are probably questions and we've got questions for members of Sober Faction and others um, asking, we are non-theistic, so how does ritual work? Because there's this stigma surrounding just the word ritual of being like spiritual or supernatural in some way. So just quickly, there is a scientific backing um, that supports ritual and how it is psychologically beneficial. So I use ritual a lot in my life and satanic practice because of that. And we have even, again, read articles and studies to our members um, because there are folks who are coming from theistic backgrounds who are actually traumatized by the theism that they were indoctrinated into and kind of taken aback by the use of rituals. So they needed this other Understanding, um, they needed almost a re-education and um, removing the theistic foundation of ritual that they were brought up in, and learning about the scientific, rational way that we utilize ritual in recovery. Um, so I just wanted to point that out be- before you read that, just in case anyone was wondering or questioning.
3: Yeah, thank you, Jody. I, I jump around a lot, so I really appreciate it. <laughs> um, and um I'll say from my own experience, when I first started diving into Satanism and learning about it, I would hear about ritual and I would cringe hard. I like, that sounds like theistic woo-woo stuff that I'm not really into. And I kept learning more about it. And then I actually, you know, partook in a you know, group ritual and experience and I was like, Holy shit, this was like really empowering and really like made an impact on me, not in like a belief that from supernatural entities, but just the empowering and liberating feeling and the catharsis. You know, I try to explain ritual, like if, like as simple as possible, if someone's like completely unaware of what we mean by that, you know, I try to like say it's it's almost like meditation plus art with intent. Right. Like if I'm trying to overly simplify it. And that's where that I can start that process of of like understanding what ritual means for it, at least my practice. Um, so, with when we started, uh, we wanted to build seven rituals for our recovery process. And this had inspiration from all sorts of different recovery things, but more, more importantly, inspiration from the seven tenets and how Jody and I were already using the seven tenets as a part of our recovery process. Um, the seven tenets compl- so much align. Very, very easily with a lifestyle recovery of, you know, compassion um, and empathy. You know, we always bring up, you know, the compassion, and empathy towards all creatures should also include yourself. Right. Uh, struggle for justice, you know, should also be a struggle for justice for you and struggle for justice against your, your addictions and what society pushes on you and so on. So we, decided, so we uh, designed the seven ritual process. So each one it starts off with you getting your own little recovery tome, a little recovery journal where you write down your ritual stuff. And each ritual has essentially a list of self-reflective questions that you'd write down and answer and kind of uh, reflect on. And then throughout that, each one ends with a full ritual like there's there's a ritual within the ritual so to speak and um to really and that's really helped cement so much more of a feeling of progress and taking a stand against something as opposed to like all right i read these pages of this book and wrote some questions and i'm or i guess i'm on to the next thing but to have that actual physical action tied to it where i have this memory of physically taking a stand and doing something about it has really made changed my life and the way I, I focus on my recovery. So the seven rituals are one, in our suffering, we had a moment of clarity. We realized that we had lost ourselves and recognized addiction as our adversary. Already much more empowering than admitting powerlessness. Right? It's very much more in line with satanic views of, you know, standing up against the adversary and being proud of who you are and fighting back. Two, we decided our will and authority over ourselves would be reborn through adopting a new way of life. Three, we made a commitment to take responsibility for our own actions in the past, present, and future, focusing only on what we could control. Vastly different than uh, what we talked about with step three, (laughs) Wow! turning my life and will over. (laughs) So it's either turn my life and will over to the care of a theistic being, or take responsibility for my own actions. Yeah, love it. Ritual four, we acknowledged behaviors and patterns of thinking we found to be unacceptable or unhealthy. Five, upon acknowledging these facets of ourselves, we began the practice of continual introspection and mindfulness. Six, we continuously strive towards self-actualization, seeking knowledge on our path to act and respond ethically and responsibly in all things. And finally, seven, after following this path, we recognized our own self-growth and sought to point the way to those who are suffering. Heal thyself, hail
2: thyself. That's fucking awesome. I love it. I think the only thing I've I've heard from them is the um, your version of the Serenity Prayer, which I fucking love as well.
3: Uh, so, TST invoca- uh, the Sober Faction invocation of power. Yes, they're like it's like it feels weird calling it a prayer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> Why
4: well, don't you share that one with them, Jody? Um, I would have to pull it up, but while I pull that up, I want to talk about our. Like, I I feel like another really strong pillar of Sober Faction is the online community, which I don't think a lot of other programs have either. And the support that's there in the safe space, able to reach people all over the globe um, 24-7. If you need to talk to someone and you post in our Facebook private group, there's always someone there willing to listen to support you to help out um it's and i think that communication and that community like tst proper (laughs) like general tst it's that supportive community that's so important and that's what makes us thrive and it's something that it's it's very rare in these sorts of large communal spaces you know
3: It's been such a such an amazing experience to be able to go to meetings on a regular basis. And when I talk about a complicated struggle or any member talks about something they're dealing with in life, no one is ever told you should go pray on it. (laughs) Like to not hear like, oh, things are going good today because my higher power told me this and not have to like sift through all the bullshit. Right. To that. We have meetings every day. Just talking about practical life shit and like, how do we actually get sober? Like, what are the physical things we've actually done that we have found helpful, mm-hmm. right? And to not have to just, like, again, I, I keep saying that word, but it's just so true the gymnastics of it all to really focus on self-empowerment is like the, and self-compassion is the very much the cornerstone of everything we do in sober fashion to make people feel good about who they are and take their life back and live the life they want to live. And encourage self-discovery without shame and guilt
2: and that's the way it should be it's exactly the way it should be take all that self you know that 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 shame and guilt away and 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 focus on on yourself and 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 being more proud of yourself or just confident you know like you say taking control of your life again
4: on that note the invocation of power Ooh. <laughs> I grant myself the courage to take responsibility for my own actions, the power to let go of that which does not serve me and the wisdom to seek help when needed. Hail Satan.
3: When we're, with, when we're, you know, towards this tail without a prayer, there was a group of, of different TSC members coming, you know, with a, with a similar idea, right. Of wanting to do like a seven tenants based recovery, recovery group. And um, I was introduced and brought into the group and then when i did it quickly brought jody in and then uh one thing led to another and we ended up running it <laughs> but uh from day one we knew we wanted this to be a part of tst um we knew that this was we didn't want this to become the john and jody recovery program we wanted this to become the tst recovery program
4: we saw and, that there was a need i'm sorry just go ahead that there were people who needed it and were tossing ideas around because there is such a lack of programs that kind of speak to Satanists or atheists or non-theists. There are some out there that do work for people, but um, within our religious community, there there was a need and it, it was important and the support was there.
3: Exactly. and I think there is you know, something with Satanism in particular that a lot of people had a struggle with, with recognizing a issue with substance use or substance use disorder, um, you know, because a lot of satanic beliefs are all about indulgence and stuff like that and empowered by the indulgence and finding that line of where if addiction is taking hold of your life, right, then you're not living the life that you want to live. Right? And so that was a, another part of it that TST had a need for that. There was so much in the community. We've heard time and time again that there, there was there was a demand, right? And we were from the ground from the very beginning, building the entire process off the seven tenets and aligning each of the seven rituals, each one. And we were um, constantly in contact with um, what was then known as the uh, TST International Council. Um, back when that was a thing. And we were, you know, started just as a Facebook group. And then we started our meetings and we just kind of like an affiliate, but not necessarily like a full campaign. And then, you know, Jody and I designed the full process of the seven rituals and they just saw how much sober faction was growing just organically without even the name TSC tied to it. Cause originally it was just called the satanic sober faction. And Realized how much good work it was being done. And uh, they were very impressed. And we met with Malcolm Jerry, uh, the co-founder of TST. And he was very, very, very happy to say the least um, of what we've accomplished. And uh, the line he told me, I swear I almost cried, <laughs> um, was this is the greatest gift that
2: anyone's given to TST. And I almost just like died right then and there. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I definitely would have too. That's amazing.
4: Yeah, and he is just nothing but supportive of Sober Faction. And he even mentioned that it, it's something that he had wanted to see develop in TST as well. And he knew that there was um, a need for it and that it's it's beneficial and um, can reach so many people who need help who are looking for it. Um, so we've had nothing but support and he wanted to make it an official campaign
3: and with the support of tst we've also been able to just we have a wider reach right Mm -hmm. more people are able to be aware of what we're doing and when it officially became a official uh, tst campaign um we we were already doing pretty well with a lot of members but when that newsletter went out (laughs) it was crazy um and it was amazing to see that we weren't alone Right. Like there were so there's so many of people who are just seeking a space to feel safe and to try to get better and improve themselves without having to deal with the bullshit, without having to feel guilt and shame and the stigma and having to be told to pray.
4: Feeling accepted for who they are. We have a huge gender non-conforming population within sober faction. Mm -hmm. That's probably the majority of our members are are not cis or not heterosexual. Um, it's just this the entire spectrum. And so many stories we hear is um, about them not feeling comfortable or safe in, in other programs. So that is so important. And it just makes us feel so good that we're able to provide that space where people feel safe and supported and accepted.
1: And I think
3: out of all of it, the most rewarding and impressive thing is that it's worked like it's not just an idea like it's people are literally changing their lives around Mm -hmm. um people who have tried to get sober for years in different recovery programs and just couldn't stick with it and it just wouldn't align with them and was never people who've never thought they have any chance of finding sobriety and being comfortable in their lives are finding it for the first time you know we've been running sober faction meetings for for a little over a year now and now we have people for sobriety with the first time in their lives for a little over a year of sobriety. And I,
2: I can I'm actually sorry. attest to that. I am one of them. <laughs> I am 27 days away from hitting a year for the first time. And it's definitely due to you guys. Fuck. Yes. It's it due to hell you, hell too? you. It's due to you. We just allowed to. Well, help. Y- you know what I mean? You guys helped <laughs> a shit ton a lot better than any of the other other um programs i have found uh the closest i have ever i have ever found to to doing it was um the like the refuge recovery the the, the buddhist program mm-hmm. um it's a great sure. program it is a great program and I, I still use tools from it um in my recovery but it was definitely uh when i found you guys it was it was over it was it was finally everything made sense
4: i love it i'm so happy you're here uh, and part of sober faction and just being on this podcast and just that's you know i just love it and i i appreciate satanic study hall and everything you're doing so much and that you're giving us this platform just to talk about it and hail each other you know
0: mm-hmm. absolutely oh, yes. the platform
2: will definitely be always open yeah for, for we wouldn't, sober faction. we
0: wouldn't have it any other way now speaking of now I'm on the Satanic Temple's website, and it is Silver Faction is indeed on there as an ongoing campaign. So, for our listeners that want to uh, learn more, look for meeting times, uh, read the mission statement. The seven rituals are on here. Um, an outline of the goals and initiatives. There's a, a nice, honestly, it's it's you know, it's just like right along the theme of everything we've been talking about here uh, on the episode. Uh, a testimonial from Hell Bent. Um, and then there's an opportunity to support Sober Faction and purchase Um, Sober Faction t-shirts and knit hats. And I know there's also been some exclusive merchandise and time sensitive merchandise that has been out there already uh, celebrating the launch and everything, Um, Mm -hmm. which is, which is fantastic. So I encourage everybody to check this out online. Now, beyond the website, um, how do they, is there, I know you mentioned there's a, there's social media communities. Is there any other ways of getting in touch with Sober Faction um, and reaching out that either of you would like to share?
3: I think, you know, the Facebook group, we've mentioned a lot. That is like sort of a backbone of a lot of our, of the community. Um, that is the Satanic Temple Sober Faction group. Um, but if you're not on Facebook, uh, we completely understand. Um, we also have our email, SoberFaction at the SatanicTemple.com. Uh, you can always reach us there. And then on the website, we do have the full meeting schedule and um, all the ways to get to the meetings without having to be engaged with social media.
4: And um, on Facebook, there is the public Facebook group and the private Facebook group um, to maintain anonymity. And um, like John, John said, that's kind of our backbone, the bulk of our community. But we are also now on Twitter. Awesome. Um, on Twitter. Yay.
0: But it's it's nice to see more and more positivity and encouragement pop up in my, what do you call it, a Twitter feed or a timeline? I don't fucking know. I just scroll um, just
4: follow sober faction. Abso- yes, absolutely. They, you know. I'm all
0: about it. <laughs> so before we, we wrap up
2: everything and, and all of that, um, you know, speaking of the sober faction and their, their definite or their different ways of, of getting in contact with them, you know, whether it be through social media and all that, we also have our social media discord, um, you know, where everybody hangs out and, and, and interacts. Um, and of course, while we were recording this episode, I went into our recovery chat and, and I sent a little ping out to everyone saying, "Hey, does anybody have a question um, that they would like, you know, kind of answered?" And I, uh, I brought in a, a couple good ones, and I, I would like to read them off to you. Um, first off, I just have a little shout out from Katya. Uh, she just wanted to say thank you for all that you do and 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 the inspiration that you guys give because uh, it has also helped her uh, get clean. She has uh, four months now, so that's awesome. Congratulations, Katya! Hail you! And then we have a question from Guy from KY. He says he knows that the focus is often on substance uh, use, but he was wondering if the sober faction is also appropriate for people with other addictions like uh, sex, gambling, food, things of that sort.
4: We're nodding, guy from KY. <laughs> yeah, we are nodding. Um,
2: <laughs> they're nodding.
3: <laughs> even, even as an example on myself, um, I am also, when I, when I mentioned, you know, I strayed away from recovery for a few months, managed to stay sober, but um, I was not living a lifestyle of recovery because I was so fucking pissed at AA. Um, I did also develop a uh, full-blown eating disorder. And that is something that comes up a lot. Um, you know, while the main focus we do talk about the most is substance use disorder, it's also welcoming and accepting and works for all forms of addiction. And we welcome everybody who's seeking help in the community.
4: And you'll definitely find others um, with similar um, needs as you that you you will definitely hook up with and be able to speak to about it um, openly and honestly. Um, so you're, it's a good space for, for anything that you're recovering from or looking to recover from.
2: Awesome. Thank you. And it's, it's great, you know, it's great to hear that, that you're not just, um, you know, uh, substance focused. Um, You know, a a lot of people are at least that I've found in my personal journey um, when it comes to, you know, sex gambling, uh, they're not as open or willing to, seek that help or even admit it because of of the stigma behind it and and how they'll look
3: you know i also think you know a lot of the the substance use and stuff or the addictive cycles um, are very much symptoms of, of greater issues it's very rare for for someone in sober fashion to have like I only have this issue with this one thing in life, and that is it. Like that's that's pretty rare. Um, so we have a wide scope of of a community. Um, I do. We didn't get to mention this, but it's something we always make sure to mention. Um, we read it at the beginning of all of our meetings is that we do not consider sober faction a professional form of therapy, and we encourage anyone seeking anyone struggling in uh, with addictive behavior to please seek help from a medical professional. Um, we are community and group, but we do not consider ourselves a uh, professional form of therapy.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: That's important to to mention.
2: I think that's going to bring us to the end. Um, thank you so much for coming on and talking about that guys. Um, it is extremely awesome um, that you are willing to open up and share your stories. Um, I know that can be very frightening for a lot of people. Uh, it took me a long time to finally get up and share mine. So I thank you once again for that. I, I know Bill does. I know our listeners do. Um, we, we hail both of you very much. Thank you very much. Um, do you guys have any shout outs you would like to do?
3: I uh, would love to also a uh, big shout out to the Superfaction Council. Um, our council team is absolutely amazing. And we couldn't have done any of this and continue to do any of this without them. And also just the Faction community itself. The reason this works is because the community is so fucking incredible.
4: <laughs> yep, um, the mod squad our moderators of the group who work tirelessly to maintain a safe space love you all awesome thank you so much guys um,
0: and you did you said it you said it before Thanking satanic study hall I just wanted to get my little two cents in thank you both for all that you do for for all, all the, the lives and the perspectives that um, you know that you're impacting on, on such a positive level and just continue doing the fucking devil's work. Um, it's 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 working. It's 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 beyond needed. You talked about the you know the demand, um, and look, you guys are doing a fantastic job keeping up with the supply. So thank you so much for all the hard work, the countless nights of you know no sleep and maybe some frustrations and learning experiences. But um, again, hail, hail you all for for doing this incredible shit.
4: Thank you.
3: Thank you so much for having us. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here.
0: Attention staff and students. The Satanic Study Hall podcast is not affiliated with any other podcast or organization. None. Zero. The views and opinions expressed on the podcast are ours and ours alone. Hail Satan. All right, everybody. We hope you enjoyed that conversation. And there will be more of Minister Joe D and Reverend John Eldridge in future episodes on this very topic. Um hope you enjoy the conversation and I hope you enjoy our episode. Uh this was something special and it was more along the lines of a personal journey. Uh those were some heartfelt stories that we just heard, um, which I know will and have served. Uh, as motivation for many of our listeners and people that we know in our lives, um, or that could use that motivation to get better. Um, Sean, your thoughts? I'm just honestly, I'm glad
1: that I was able to hear that. And, you know, I wish that I could have been there that day. But you know, life and all that. But it was it was awesome. Thank you guys again, for for coming out. It was fantastic.
0: And then of course, I want to thank Dennis and Dennis, your thoughts. And this was, uh, this was your baby here. Um, Yeah. You want to take us home?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, this definitely, this episode definitely meant a lot to me. Um, you know, being in recovery and, and it never thought recovery would mean this much to me. So, uh, it's, it's really fucking cool. And, you know, being this close to one year, it was, it was, it was just something special that I really wanted to throw together. And, you know, I've made a very close, uh, personal relationship, which with minister joe d and, and they you know they've done a lot to help me with with my sobriety and they haven't even known about it and, and uh you know they they've given me a lot of a lot of uh help me manifest my energy to to be able to kick my own ass into fucking gear I was gonna so, say clarity clarity seems clarity, like a yeah, good word a fucking word Great fucking word. We'll use that one. Whatever he said. We're we'll that one. Uh so we're going with that. It did wonders. <laughs> Great fucking word. Um but yeah, no, I I can't thank them enough for coming on. I cannot wait for part two and I cannot wait for the fucking panel at the end. I am so stoked. I have so many ideas. Um and I'll fucking have a year clean by the time they're fucking recorded and done. Fuck Woo! yeah, dude. Congrats. Right? we going to the bar to celebrate now. I'm fucking with you. Yeah, man.
1: <laughs> Let's go get a beer.
2: <laughs> Ginger ale's on me.
0: There you go. Well, thank you, Dennis. I <laughs> don't um, drink either. So.
2: <laughs>
0: I do want to bring this up. There's a big fundraiser coming up uh, that the Soper Faction is involved with and in hosting, it is called Hellathon. And that's going to be on Satanic Temple TV or TST TV on October 23rd at 8 p.m. Hellathon is a variety; uh, it's a variety show style type of thing um, that's going to feature. You know, it's it's gonna it's gonna be more like uh, the old school telethons you would see growing up as a kid. So wait, are they going to have no like way. a panel with a whole shitload of phones set up? I like Can you r- call in no. and talk to Lucian? I really hope so. Um, but get yeah, like
2: five phones.
0: Yeah, and it's going to be live on the on TST TV, <laughs> and that's going to feature amazing talent of a variety of sober faction members. So definitely keep that in mind. Again, that is October twenty third at eight p.m. on TST TV. TST TV is um, a subscription based service, but there is a shit ton of free content on there. Sure. Um, so check that out, and if you feel so inclined and want to hang out. And participate in Hellathon. Definitely subscribe. Give it a month or two trial. I do want to thank all of our listeners for hanging out on this important episode. And I look forward to whatever the fuck we got going on next. I don't know about y'all, but oh, yeah, um man. I'm I'm excited about riding this train right into the winter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Um, special thanks and shout outs. Uh, keep it simple. Shout out to everybody who supports us and who listens to us every time they get that new episode notification, and all the OGs that have been hanging with us since the beginning. You know who the fuck you are. Hail you all. We fucking love you, and we will see you next time. Hail Satan. Hail Satan. Hail thyself.
2: The